listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to show you something that across the board... There's never been a powerful man or woman of God anywhere in the world, across the board, who did not have a consistent life in what we're going to teach on tonight. And I'm going to go deeper into some of these things and show you, but there has never been a powerful man of God anywhere in any, in any generation that has been powerful or changed their generation or seen signs and wonders and miracles without what we're dealing with tonight, and that is the subject of consistent prayer. And I was going to go a different direction. The Holy Ghost said, no, focus on prayer and talk about the power of prayer tonight. And I'm going to show you some things that maybe you've never seen. But one of the things we've got to know, got to realize, is that prayer is the key to having and experiencing power with God, without question. Nothing can be substituted for prayer, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Thank you, Ashley and Ted. Love you. Nothing can be substituted for the power of prayer. Anybody that's powerful, anybody, I don't care who it is. We just watched Brother Hagin. That was Dad Hagin before he went home to be with the Lord. And we see the results of his ministry. We, we see the manifestations of the power of God in his ministry. And we said, man, I'd love to see that again. We'd love to have that. Well, one of the things you've got to know and understand about Brother Hagin was that he was a man of constant prayer, a man of constant prayer. His own son, Pastor Hagen, Kenneth Hagen Jr., uh, even told us stories about when he was a boy and he'd look over at night before he went to bed as a boy and he'd see his father hunched over his desk with a cup of coffee, with his Bible open, with his pen, praying, and studying the word of God. And he said he'd he'd go to bed and keep glancing over and his dad would be sitting there at the desk late at night, praying, studying, and taking notes. And he said he'd wake up in the morning and look over and his dad would be in the same clothes, at the same chair, in the same position, still praying, still reading, still studying and taking notes. And it was a lifestyle of consistent prayer. And it was a lifestyle of consistent uh, study and giving himself to the Holy Spirit. There's never been, love you, Brother Joe, there's never been a powerful man or woman of God any time throughout history that has not been a person of dedicated prayer. Never, never. Prayer is that relationship we have with the Lord that allows him to transfer power to us. You know, um, one of the things that um, there's a man of God that's dead now, but he was an author and a preacher. His name, you've probably heard of him. He was very famous. E.M. Bounds was his name. E.M. Bounds. And he wrote, I believe, 12 books in his lifetime. Nine of them were on the subject of prayer. And he's the one that coined the term Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, 
no power. And that's what he said. And of course, that's repeated throughout the world today by, by many men and women of God. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. Do you know one time my father was ministering in Trinidad and Tobago? And uh, there was a man of God that was there living on the islands. And, and uh, the man that my father was staying with said, this preacher has heard you here in holding a crusade. He said he's, he, he's driving in and he wants you to wait for him. He's driving in. He's an old preacher. He's been doing it for years and years. And uh, he wants you, he wants to tell you something. He wants to tell you something. So my father was a young minister at the time. He said, of course, I'll, I would love to hear what he has to say. And my father waited all day for the man. And finally in the evening, and it was probably at night if I remember my father telling the story correctly, it, it was in the night after my dad had waited all day, the car pulls in and here's this elderly man of God that's been wanting to tell my father something. And my father's been waiting to hear it. And the car parks, the door opens and he outsteps this elderly preacher. And he comes walking up uh, to where my father is. And he looks at him and he says, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. And then he turned around, went back and got in his car and left. Literally, that old Pentecostal preacher, that man of God, was imparting revelation knowledge to a younger man of God and felt the Holy Spirit prompt him to enforce the thought of dedicated prayer, dedicated prayer. It's impossible to go anywhere in the kingdom of God, to go far, to do great things for the, for the kingdom of God without prayer being a regular part of your life. And we see that modeled not only in the life of the apostles in the early church, but where did they get it from? The life of Jesus. Jesus was a man of dedicated prayer. He was a man of dedicated prayer. I want to show that to you. And making prayer, by the way, hey, Luenda, making prayer his priority in life. Now, let's think about something for a moment. Jesus said, I can say nothing unless I first hear the Father say it. Didn't he say that? I can say nothing. So the, the Son of God, Christ, he didn't speak on his own authority. He only said what he heard the Father saying or telling him. Well, remember this. Because he wasn't speaking of his own accord, only what he heard the Father say. If there was ever a moment where Jesus stopped hearing the Father, he would have become a mute. Think about that. He would have become a mute because he couldn't speak of his own accord. He could not speak his own will. He only spoke. He only ever spoke what he heard his father say. And that's why Jesus had to be so dedicated with a life of prayer to his father because he needed to receive a download from heaven into his spirit so that he had something to transfer to the people who were coming to hear him preach and to receive ministry from his life. If he did not have a direct connection to his father, there was nothing Jesus could do. Think about that. I want to show you something in the gospel of Mark chapter one. So if you got your Bible, if you're taking notes, go with me to Mark chapter one. 
And this is just the beginning of what we're going to see about Jesus. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. <laughs> Carissa making me laugh. Listen to this. After he had healed many people, he had healed a man of an unclean spirit. After all that, look at this. Verse 35, Mark 1, 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place where there he prayed. And there he prayed. And so Jesus, what did he do? He got up early, even before the dawn, and went out to a desolate place. What was he doing? Getting alone. He was getting alone with his father. You know, one of the main things, and this is a key that I want you to understand, one of the things that hinders us from having a dedicated life of prayer is that we allow distractions into our life often. There are too many distractions. And now that we're connected to everything, think about this, we're connected to everything. We're connected to our tablets, our laptops. We're connected to our phones. Our phones are now connected to our smartwatches. So something's always vibrating. Something's always dinging. Something's always ringing. There's always a notification. And the more that we are connected, the harder it is to become disconnected and go into an isolated place. And as the Bible says, shut the door behind us. And what we do in secret, the Lord will reward openly. That's how Jesus taught about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And we read that yesterday in our daily uh, Bible reading. And by the way, if you haven't joined us yet for the daily Bible reading, you're not too late. We're going through the New Testament in 30 days. And you can get the downloadable PDF of the Bible plan at miracleword.com forward slash study as well as several videos that we have there to supplement your study time and to teach you some uh, tips and tricks about studying the Word of God. So jump in with us. But on the first day, we read Matthew chapter 6, and one of the things Jesus was teaching about was prayer. And he said, when you pray, don't be like uh, the Pharisees who stand out in public and they pray long, wordy prayers so that everybody can hear them praying. He said, I tell you the truth, that's the only reward that they will ever get. We don't pray so that other people can hear us praying and so that we can seem holy and righteous and pious. That's not why we pray. Jesus said, when you pray, go into and behind closed doors, shut the door behind you and do it in secret. And he said, what you do in secret, your father will reward openly. So, I want you to write this in the comments tonight. Very important lesson that we've got to learn. Private dedication brings public reward. Put it in the comments. Private dedication brings public reward. Write that down and put it in the comments. Private dedication brings public rewards. If you will spend your time and give God time, that's part of what we're doing in the month of May, as we set our faith for miracles in this month of May, what are we doing? Well, we're going to go through the whole New Testament. That's part of our dedication, ingesting the mighty word of God through the rest of this month, taking in the whole New Testament in 30 days. And then one of the things that you need to add to that 
is that you need to have a life of dedicated and consistent prayer. And one of the things that uh, I've given you as a tool to help you in your prayer time is that we've provided prayer points that you can get in our mobile app that's available for free on the Google Play Store or the App Store, no matter what kind of a phone you have. You can download it for free. Not only will you get Miracle Word Radio, which is in there 24-7, but you get the prayer points, 100 prayer points with the scripture verses included so that you can have a kick-started prayer time and know what you're praying biblically. And you should spend a significant amount of time, you know, something that means something to you. I find it interesting that in the New Testament, it seemed like an hour of prayer was pretty common. In Matthew 26, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, took his disciples in there and uh, and said, let's, let's time to pray. He goes in further than they are and prays for an hour and comes back and they're all sleeping. And he wakes them up and he said, hey, couldn't you hang with me for one hour? Couldn't you hang with me for one hour? As if to say, it does. It's, an hour of prayer is not that long. That's what Jesus was inferring. An hour of prayer is not a long time. You couldn't hang for an hour. And then he went back in and prayed again, came back. They were sleeping again. And so it seems like an hour of prayer was pretty standard. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So in the New Testament, the believers, according to Scripture, had an hour of prayer every single day that they went in and prayed for, for an hour at least. And so it seems that was pretty standard. So when you hear me encouraging people to take, you know, an hour a day, we'll sit down on the couch and watch a show that we've been watching two or three episodes of it that may last an hour and a half, two hours. And we'll do that for our flesh. We need to do something for our spirit. And so I want you to supplement your reading time with your prayer life and build your prayer life. Because see, this prayer life, this intimacy with God is what brings power in your daily life. Prayer and the mighty word of God, which we're reading all month to cover this entire New Testament. So the Bible says that early, let's ask ourselves a question. A couple of things we can see from this, Mark 135. Jesus went out early before the dawn. Well, what was he doing? He was making it the first thing he did in his day, making it the first thing that he did in his day. What? Prayer. Being with the Father. Well, why did he do it first? Well, we know that, listen, as soon as people started waking up, no matter where he was, they came to find him. You read through the scripture, you know what you're going to find? Crowds, multitudes, thousands of people came to find Jesus and they would surround him and they would throng him and they would reach out to touch him. They would press in on him. So he wasn't going to have time throughout the rest of his day. See, well, you know, today when I get some free time, I'm just going to do some praying. There was no free time for Jesus. As soon as people started waking up, they started coming to find him. They needed miracles. They needed deliverance. They needed a blessing. And so what would they do? They'd come and throng him, press in on him, hear him teach, reach out and touch him. He had to be ready. Remember that. Jesus had to be ready when people came for a touch or to hear him speak. And the only way he could be ready is to be with the Father before he was with the people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got to be with my Father 
before I can be with the people. I've got to be with the Father before I can be with the people. It's so important. If you're a minister that's watching me tonight, let me encourage you with this thought. You've got to be with the Father before you can be with the people. You can't be with the people without being with the Father. One of the things that's dangerous that ministers are tempted to do is because we get so busy that we could get caught up in doing things all the way up until it's time right before the service to minister to God's people, and we've not been with the Father. We've been busy doing the work of the Father, but we've not been with the Father. And so we go out, and, and, and this is how many times some people start to minister out of their soul, their mind. They start ministering out of their flesh. They hear something that ticked them off and they start launching into that. Let me tell you what bothers me about today's generation. And they start, you know, they, they focus on that. Get with the father before you get with his people. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was getting with his father before he got with the people. My friend and also my board member of Miracle Word Ministries, Pastor Brian Wright, who pastors in Albemarle, North Carolina, was just in Nigeria. He was in Africa for over a month, I think just at a month. And while he was there, he went and spent time with Bishop David Oyedepo and spent time with Pastor Enoch Adeboye. And Pastor Adeboye, if you've heard me talk about him, uh, is the uh, head of the Redeemed Christian Church of God around the world. And uh, they're the ones that I've told you about that have the building uh, in Nigeria that houses millions. You know, they have their Holy Ghost meeting. They have their Pentecostal Congress in December. I mean, 2 million, 3 million people are in the building for that meeting. And uh, one of the most impactful ministers of our generation, he's in his 70s now. And uh, Pastor Brian asked him a question uh, that I normally ask ministers if I'm there. And um, one of the things Pastor Adeboye said, and you need to write this down, he, he said this, he was giving instruction to younger ministers. As my friend, Pastor Brian was there, he questioned him. He said, he, he asked him about what younger, what he, he should tell the younger ministers. What should younger ministers do? And Pastor Adeboye said, one of the things that I would tell younger ministers is to never, ever take a microphone to preach and minister for the Lord without praying in the Holy Ghost for at least an hour. Now think about that. Here's a man who's not only changed his nation, but really has shaken the world. He went, when, when Australia lifted the ban on same-sex marriage, Pastor Adeboye flew there, held a two-week crusade called Let the Wind Blow, and after his two-week crusade was over, Australia put the ban back on same-sex marriage, the legality of it. And the power of God's used him throughout the world. And one of the things that he said, and he said it just recently, he said, no minister of the gospel should take a microphone to preach and minister to God's people without praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues for at least an hour before he takes the microphone. Do you know who else thinks that way? Now there's, that's a, that's a, that's not a nation shaker. That's a world shaker talking. That's a world shaker. Chain, he's totally changed his generation by faith. He believes that. You know who else believes that? Another world shaker who I was supposed to be with this month, which was canceled because of all the shutdowns, but uh, Dr. David Yonggi Cho from Korea. And we were going to be in Hawaii ministering together. And Dr. Cho is the one who uh, is pastor of the largest church in the world, Yoido Full Gospel Church, over a million members. 
built prayer mountain, all the grottos that are in there, they'll go and pray for long periods of time. But Dr. Cho, in his book, Prayer That Brings Revival, I was listening or I was reading what he wrote in uh, Prayer That Brings Revival, and he said he never will take the microphone to preach in his home nation without praying two to three hours before he stands to preach in his home nation. He said he feels a breakthrough there, and so he doesn't feel the resistance. He said, but when he goes, when he goes to Europe, Western Europe to preach, he said he'll pray for four hours minimum before he preaches any service in Western Europe. Four hours of prayer before ministering in any service. But he said when he goes to Japan, now this is interesting to me, he said God has given him a heart for the Japanese people. And even though he's a Korean, he so loved the Japanese people that Dr. Cho learned Japanese so that he could preach to in Japan without an interpreter. And he, and he writes in his book, it's very interesting that Japan has never had a nationwide revival. Never. In the history of the nation, they've never had a nationwide revival. And he said he can feel the resistance to the Lord in that nation so that he will not preach in Japan ever without praying six hours before he takes the microphone to preach. He will not preach without praying for six hours before he preaches in Japan because he feels the resistance to the gospel. And praise, well, what's he praying for? Praying for the breakthrough. Praying to get the mind of the Lord for what God wants to do in that service. Praying that God will open the doors to the hearts of men and women. Praying that God will break the strongholds in that nation. Prayer brings revival. Prayer brings power. Prayer brings answers. God works through prayer. And it's important to understand that anybody, and I can go through a list, trust me, I can go through a list, anybody that's done anything powerful, anybody, has been a man or a woman of great, dedicated, faithful prayer. No question about it. Dedicated, faithful prayer. Jesus was one of those. I Do you know what's crazy? I was listening to... Uh, Christian TV recently, and there was a preacher that was, it's, he's so well known that if I said his name, you'd know who he was. You know what he actually said? He said, you know, God doesn't want us praying long prayers. That's what he actually said on television. God doesn't want us praying long prayers. He wants us to pray short, faith-filled prayers. That's what he said. Basically inferring that if you prayed for a long period of time, it's because you didn't have faith that you got your answer. And so he said, God doesn't want us praying long prayers, wants us to pray short, faith-filled prayers. Okay, well, let's go to Luke chapter six, if you believe that. And I want to examine something with you in Luke chapter six. God doesn't want us praying long prayers, brother, short, faith-filled prayers. Okay, if that's the case, let's go and look at the life of Jesus and see what Jesus' life of prayer looked like. Well, of course, we know he's just in the garden. He just prayed for two to three hours in the Garden of Gethsemane that we know of. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Listen to verse 12. The Bible says, In these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer 
to God. See that? All night he continued in prayer to God. I want you guys, just for, just for the sake of it, I want you to put it in the comments, everybody watching, all capital letters, all night. <laughs> all night. Jesus continued in prayer all night. That wasn't a short prayer. So what is this minister going to do? Is he going to take Luke 6, 12 and make an argument that because Jesus prayed all night long, that somehow Jesus was praying outside of faith? Is that what this preacher is going to do? This internationally known preacher that I heard talking on television, uh, is he going to suggest that because Jesus prayed all night long, it's because Jesus lacked faith? Is that the argument that this guy is going to make? Or is Jesus our role model? Is he not the radiance of God's glory and the perfect imprint of his nature? Amen. La Valley watch parties in the house. What's up? And so, of course, Jesus prayed. He's showing us his dedication. He prayed all night. Oh, yeah. I see it. And when the day came, he called to his disciples. So you know what that shows you? In this instance, Jesus went without sleep so that he could have more prayer. Think about that. Jesus went without sleep in this instance so that he could have more prayer. And when the day came, he called his disciples, the Bible says. Now, Jesus had to teach his disciples to have this same kind of dedication so that they could replicate his power and his, and his glory and manifestations. And if you'll go with me and we'll look together, one of the things that we will be able to see in Mark chapter 9 is that the disciples weren't quite there yet. They just weren't quite there. He was training them. They were on their way there, but they were failing. This blow your mind. They were failing in some of their assignments because they were not dedicated in prayer like they were supposed to be. Isn't that interesting to you? That the disciples, although Jesus called them, although he gave them power over the devil, notice they weren't activating that power and were failing in certain assignments because they were not praying like they should have been praying. Mark chapter 9, the Bible says this, that, and I'll give you the, first of all, I'm going to give you the, um, the, the little story in a nutshell. Parents brought their son to Jesus who was demon-possessed, first bringing him to the disciples, and they couldn't cast the demon out of this young man. So they brought the demon-possessed boy to Jesus, and the Bible says, verse 20, Mark 9, 20, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening? And he said, from childhood. And it's often cast him into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately he said, I, I believe, help my unbelief. He cast the demon out. And look at this. Look, verse 28, Mark 9, 28 is where we are now. And when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast it out? See, they're wondering. They knew they should have been able to, but they couldn't. Why couldn't they? Look what Jesus said. Why couldn't we cast it out? And he said to them, 
because this kind cannot be driven out but by anything but prayer and some some translations and some manuscripts say prayer and fasting. So notice what Jesus pointed out. I find this so interesting. Jesus did not say, well, the reason you couldn't cast it out and I could is because I am the son of God and you're just lowly disciples. I am the eternal one and you're just mere humans. No, he didn't say that because that's not what the whole story was. He had already anointed them, given him his authority. He had given them his authority. But what was he trying to say to them? What point was Christ making? You should have been able to cast the demon out, but you're not praying and fasting like you should be. I am. (laughs) Jesus and I, and notice we have record all through the gospels of Christ's prayer life early before the dawn, prayed all through the night. And he said to them, you should have been able to cast it out, but you couldn't because this kind So let me break something down for you then. So that means that there are kinds. You catch that. You hear what Jesus is saying to them. There are kinds, variations of issues you'll deal with in the spirit. Not everything. Because notice the disciples had cast out demons before, which is part of the reason they were confused and surprised. Well, we've had this work before. We've cast out demons. How come we couldn't do this one? Look what Jesus said. This kind, put that in the comments, this kind. I'm teaching you something that will help you for the rest of your life because not every battle is going to be at the same level. Not every issue you face is going to be the same kind of issue. There are levels. There are levels. This kind, put it in the comments, this kind. That's it. This kind, there are kinds of issues. And Jesus is referring specifically to demon spirits. This kind of demon will not come out except through prayer and fasting. And so there are some things that you have enough strength currently to face. And there are other things that you need to build your faith and build your power and strength through prayer and fasting. Now, one thing I want to say about prayer and fasting is that you can't always fast. And God doesn't expect you to always fast, but you should be fasting at some point in your year. I mean, not just once, throughout your year. You should give God days in prayer and fasting. I love what my uncle Terry Shuttlesworth did at Dominion Christian Center in Virginia Beach. They set it up in such a way so that every month, They do three days of prayer and fasting so that, think think about this, so that at the end of the year, after 12 months, how how many days have they done? 36 days. What is that? A tithe of their year, 365 days, 36 days of that spent in fasting and prayer. So giving God a tithe of their time in fasting and prayer. Three days a month is an easy thing to do. It's not going to blow you away to do three days a month, but your your flesh will yell at you not to do it. I can promise you that. I can promise you that. But what is that? Just obedience to the scripture, to fast and pray. Jesus said, when the bridegroom, speaking of himself, when the bridegroom leaves, my disciples will fast. So 
Jesus, and that's in Matthew 6 as well, Jesus expected fasting to be a lifestyle for his children. And if you study church history, you want to know something interesting? For hundreds of years, Christians around the world fasted two days every week. And I believe it was Wednesday and Friday, every week, two days of fasting a week, giving it to God. And so God expects, Christ expects his children to fast. Well, I know you can't fast all the time. Of course you can't, you die. But you should be regularly taking time throughout your life to fast. But one thing you can always do is pray. Praying won't kill you. <laughs> your flesh will stay alive. You can't, You let me just say it this way. You can't fast 365 days a year, but you can pray 365 days a year. Remember that. You can't fast 365 days a year, but you can always pray 365 days a year. And so you should be praying every single day. And in fact, Jesus gave his disciples in Luke chapter 18 a parable uh, to the, to the uh, truth or fact that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So what was he telling his disciples in Mark 9? This kind of demon doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. This is paralleled, by the way, if you wanted to read a parallel story in another synoptic gospel, Matthew chapter 17. Listen to this. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20 and 21, uh, he said, they said, why? And this is verse 19. Why could not we cast it out? Look, he said to them, because of your little faith. So here, it's, here it opens up. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here and there and it'll move and it'll, nothing will be impossible to you. And this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. So understand Jesus is saying one of the ways to stir up your faith is by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Andrew, I don't, I don't, I don't try to get real specific with people on that because you just have to do it as you led, but you need to pray every day. That's for sure. Um, and then, you know, your spouse, both you and your spouse, both, both need to be praying. Whether you pray together, pray alone, both of you need to be praying. And I don't try to give people guidelines on how much they need to pray with their spouse or how much they need to pray alone. Just do it as you're led by the spirit. But you don't have to be led by the spirit to pray. You should be doing that on a daily basis. And Jesus knew that the disciples had not been praying like they should have been praying. And as a result, it caused them or it hindered them from being able to fully carry out their ministry. Did you ever ask yourself this question? How many ministries, how many callings, how many purposes have suffered because people refuse to pray? Think about that for a minute. How many have suffered? How many have never fulfilled what God called them to do because they refuse to pray? Think of it. People refuse to pray. And it's not that they're trying to slap Jesus in the face. People just get busy and they don't prioritize prayer like Jesus and the apostles did. And as a result, they just go through their day and then never do it. 
They never do it. And then they say, well, I wonder why everything, nothing's working out. How come I'm not getting the answers? I feel so alone. Do you know, I promise you this. I promise you this. Because, you know, one of the things that kind of bothers me, Western Christianity, and when I say Western Christianity, I'm talking about Western Europe and the United States and Canada. Western Christianity has gotten weak in dedication. Weak in dedication. I could break it out and show you... uh, the statistics, even on Bible reading, I did that the, like what a few weeks ago from a study that Barna themselves did. And there's tons of Christians that don't pick their Bible up more than once a month. Tons of them, not more than once a month. They're starving their spirits and feeding their flesh. We're not like we used to be. And like others are, you go to, you go to churches in Africa, you go to churches in India, you go to churches in China and people are devouring the word and praying for hours and hours. You know, one of the things that really convicted me when reading Dr. Cho's book, he said, one of the things that American preachers do that we won't do is that they go out to eat after the services every night. And he said, we don't do that because they're staying out late. Their bodies are tired in the morning. He said, we go home and go to bed because we get up early in the morning to pray. (laughs) You know, that's been my whole life. So that, that convicted me. To hear a man say, we actually change certain actions and customs to keep our bodies prepared to do the prayer because it's the priority. It's the priority. Western Christianity has gotten weak in dedication, weak in Bible reading, weak in prayer, weak in fasting, and it's time to stand up and be strong again. It's time to stand up. You know, people say, well, you know, brother, those countries, it seems like miracles flow so easily in those third world countries. Yeah, because they're desperate for miracles. And so they pray and pray and pray and fast and fast and study the word because they need a miracle from God. Here, we've put our trust in things that are uh, human, fleshly, carnal. Anywhere we go here, there's a CVS on every corner, Walmart on, two, you know, four Walmarts to every city. You know, you can go to the pharmacy if you need to. You can get whatever you need. There's an emergency room right around the corner. There's police. They don't have those things in other countries. They don't have them. They have to actually trust God. And there's a desperation, a desperation when you trust God like that and you say, I'm putting him first. I'm going to pray till I see the answer. I'm going to fast till I see the answer. I'm going to study the word till I get my answer. And I'm not going to stop until I get my breakthrough. And churches in Western and the Western world, Europe and America and Canada have gotten weak, weak on dedication. It's time to be strong, strong again, and see God move in our lives. See God move in our lives. You know, if we would just, I promise you, half the stuff we complain about in, in, in Western Christianity would vanish. It would vanish if people would just pray. It would vanish. I see people posting online all the time. How many of you are battling inner turmoil? How many of you know that we all have things that are going on in the inside of us that, you know, that there's just this war going on. And, you know, sometimes even though it doesn't look like it, we're just going through battle after battle on the inside of us. Those battles would cease and peace would come if people would just take an hour or more a day to pray in the Holy Ghost and in their known language and just seek the face of God. Fill their spirit with this and then pray and then pray in the Holy Ghost and then praise God and thank him for what he's done. And it changes everything. 
It changed. I'm not speaking by, you know, I'm not speaking theoretically. I'm speaking by experience. It changes everything. Changes everything. There's a reason that I can get on this broadcast every single day and never come and say, really need you guys to pray for me. We're really going through it. There's a reason you log on and I've got a big smile on my face every day that's not fake. It's not put on. It's there because I'm filled with joy and strength and peace and faith and fire. It's because I don't make a choice to shove that stuff to the side. I prioritize it and it makes a difference. I'm not going through inner turmoil through my whole life and just showing a good face to you here on the broadcast. But when I log off, I got to go drink three shots of wild turkey and snort a line of cocaine just to keep my life sane. Some people have to do that. Some people couldn't get get through the day without four shots of Crown Royal. Uh, that's just my nerves, brother. I got to take a little for my nerves. You know, life's hard, man. We got a lot of stress. No, no, no. You don't need that. You can fill your spirit with strength, the word of God, prayer, pray in the spirit, pray in English, and praise God and thank God, and the presence of God will hit you. I'm so tired of Christians acting like this is true only in theory. I've had too many, too many preachers talk to me like I'm uh, like I'm some kind of a naive preacher and too young. So, well, you just don't understand. You know, I know that stuff's good and that's the principle and we should be employing that, but don't get too strong on it, brother, because people need this other stuff. They need their medication for their mind and they, they wouldn't need their medication for their mind. They wouldn't have to lock up the guns because they have suicidal thoughts if they would truly discipline themselves to be in the presence of God. The people, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that I know for a fact, Jack. And that is this people who sit around and mock the Holy Ghost, even Holy Ghost filled people, when they start making light of the Holy Ghost, you trust me when I tell you that they are not valuing the things of God. If people can, you, you, I'm being very serious right now. You listen to what I'm saying. If you see people that use, uh, the Holy Spirit is a joke, you know, and they fake, they fake lift up their hands when somebody's saying something and pretend like, oh, that's so powerful. And they speak in tongues like as a joke, you know, to say, oh, how old Josh, you know, and, and joking around when people are saying something like, oh, that's really powerful. You know, they don't value the Holy Ghost. They don't, nobody mocks the Holy Ghost that values him. And we've got a big generation of people that have been around it too much and have now taken it for granted because somebody's four generations deep in, in, in Christianity, Holy Ghost Christianity, and has taken the things of God for granted. And now they're quenching the spirit. And there's a reason that some people are struggling day to day to day to day. And you can't tell me it's because it's God's desire for their life. I will tell you why it is. It's not because, well, we all just battle things. No, it's because you don't truly value the power of the Holy Ghost and you make light of it and you don't actually engage. You know, you can, let me just tell you something. You can look like you engage in the Holy Ghost. You can look like you do and not do it. You can dance in church and be dancing in your flesh. I promise you that. You can shout in church and be shouting in your flesh. You can lift your hands in church. You don't have to be Holy Ghost filled to lift your hands. Sinners can lift their hands and blend into the crowd. 
Sinners can dance. I've seen homose- I've seen practicing homosexuals with an unclean spirit dance during a choir song in a church service. Doesn't make them full of the Holy Ghost. Doesn't make them holy. It's just an act. You can do it in the flesh or you can do it in the spirit. And the Bible says God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you see people making light of the move of the Holy Ghost, mocking the manifestations of the Holy Ghost, you mark it down. They're pretenders. They're fakes. They are fakes. And there's a reason people struggle. And it's not, I'm not sitting here preaching this because I have no compassion for people. I love people. If, listen, if I didn't love people, I would not spend my entire life trying to reach people with the gospel. What a stupid job for me to do, a stupid calling. If I hated people, giving my entire rest of my life till Jesus comes, giving everything, giving everything to go out and reach people if I didn't love people. So I'm not talking strong like this because I don't love people. And I'm not talking strong like this because I don't have compassion on the hurting. I've got, listen, I've got enough compassion for the hurting to be gone from my house on average about 270 days a year with my family. When we could be home in our house and swimming in the pool and taking it, that's not my desire. My desire is to be out touching the hurting, the dying, the broken, the lost. I would not give my life to this if I didn't love people. So when you hear me talk strong, I'm not talking strong because I'm some ogre who doesn't have compassion on the hurting. I understand the hurt of depression. I understand the pain of anxiety. I understand the torture of suicidal thoughts. What I'm preaching is that you don't have to stay there. And if you'll get into the power of the Holy Ghost, instead of taking him for granted and playing around with him, you can experience the freedom like you should. Instead of going from issue to issue, problem to problem, crisis to crisis. I can tell you, people that act like that, they don't pray an hour a day. They don't go and read the Bible and get, I'm, I'm talking about get into it. They don't do that. They might read a couple of verses a day, speak in tongues a couple times a day. I'm talking about pressing in. I'm talking about pressing in to the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm talking about. See, you know, it would do everybody good to go to a Nigerian prayer meeting one time. It would do you good to see the difference between a, a, a Nigerian prayer meeting and what we call a quote-unquote prayer meeting in Canada and the United States. What we call a prayer meeting where everybody's walking around with their little journal. Hallelujah. Let's just all be quiet and just journal together. Just listen for his voice, amen, and let's just journal. With like low worship music on, everybody darken the lights in the sanctuary. We just kind of slowly walk around the church and touch the chairs. You ever been to one of these? This is not a, by the way, it's not a prayer meeting. There's no actual prayer going on. Pray. If you're at a prayer meeting, pray. Not journal, not write stuff down on a piece of paper, not walk around and just touch the chairs. Pray. Actually pray. It would do people well to stand in a Nigerian prayer meeting and listen to the way they pray and listen to the way they call out. Well, brother, we don't all have to be demonstrative. And You know what? It would help you. It would help you 
to actually get into the flow of the Holy Ghost and press in in prayer, cry out in prayer, cry out in prayer. Where you know, you're not just praying little things for yourself. Oh God, just give us a better time at work this month. I I just pray that you just bring the blessing on me. Let I pray for a promotion, Lord. Let no, no, I'm talking about praying kingdom prayers. And there's nothing wrong with praying for stuff for yourself. God wants you to. But also focus on what God's doing around the world. When was the last time you prayed kingdom prayers? Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every wicked thing that tries to advance itself against the church of Jesus Christ. I take authority over every demon power that's trying to come against the moving of God's spirit around the world. I take authority over every antichrist personality and every antichrist individual that's making plans behind the scenes to destroy the people of God and the church of God. And I pray according to your word, Lord, let God arise and his enemies be scattered in the mighty name of Jesus. I ask you according to Psalm 68 verses 1 and 2 to blow your breath from heaven in 2020 and blow every wicked plan of the devil away from your people. I pray that you blow every wicked plan of the devil away from the church of God and let it be exposed and let it be destroyed by the mighty fire of the Holy Ghost. Lord, open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on your people around the world. Let revive flow by the power of God in every nation of the world. The nations that are closed, Lord, your word declares in Psalm chapter 2 that you would give us the nations for our inheritance. And so, Lord, we call these nations in that are closed right now to the gospel. I pray in Jesus' name that, God, you would open up heaven and that the nations would open up to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that hundreds of thousands of souls would come in in 2020. Don't let us come to the end of the year and not see a mighty revival sweep through Canada and sweep through America and sweep through Western Europe in the mighty name of Jesus. Blow your breath from heaven and blow souls in from every direction as you blew quail in for the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Do the same today, but blow souls in from every direction into the kingdom of God and let the gospel be preached. Send workers into the harvest field for you're the Lord of the harvest. Fill them with boldness in the Holy Ghost and let them preach the unadulterated truth of the word of God. I'm talking about that kind of prayer. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. If you were wondering. Not, oh Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just touch the chair. We just touch the chair, Lord. Hallelujah. We touch the chair. We touch the cameras, oh Lord. We touch the cameras, oh God. Amen. Hallelujah. We touch the soundboard, oh God. We just ask you to be in the soundboard. Be in the soundboard, Lord. Jesus. Hallelujah. The computer, oh God. We lay our hands on the computers. Be with the tech team, oh Lord. Be with the tech team. Jesus. That's not a prayer meeting. People walking around, journaling. Who knows what they're even writing in there? I'd like to take someone's journal after one of those. What are you, what are you even writing? What are you even writing in there? I had a thought today. It's like, let's pray. If we're going to pray, let's pray. Let's pray. 
<laughs> by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm just trying to show you if we're going to have power, if we're going to move in what God's called us to do, it's time to pray. Painting pictures upside down. And then when you flip it over, it's Jesus with the crown of thorns on. My God, I didn't know what he was painting through that whole prophetic painting. And I turned it upside down. It was Jesus. Didn't even know it. It was a lion. Come on. Come on. I mean, seriously, it's time to pray. And Jesus was a man of prayer and knew how to pray. And he taught his disciples how to pray. And after he taught his disciples how to pray, they turned the known world upside down by the power of the Holy Ghost, turned it upside down because they knew how to pray. And they continued on in prayer. I want to show you this. Go to the book of James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Hallelujah. It's time to pray. It is time to pray. Put it in the comments. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. Some of y'all need to pray in the Holy Ghost more. I said, I said this last year as we were coming in. As we were getting ready to hit 2020, one of the things I told you, if you'll go back and watch the broadcast, I, I told you this, it's time to start praying in the Holy Ghost more than you ever have. <laughs> time to start praying in the Holy Ghost more than you ever have have. Challenge yourself. Pray in the Holy Ghost an hour a day. Challenge yourself. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. James chapter 5. Listen, the Bible says in verse 17, excuse me, verse 16, James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power at its working, or as it is working. Hallelujah. I like that. It, or the footnote says, or the effective prayer of a righteous person has great power. Let me read you that same verse of scripture in the Amplified. This stirs me up, man. This really, really gets me ready to shout. It's time to pray. James chapter 5 and verse 16, amplified. Listen to this. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, and pray also one for another that you may be healed and restored. Now listen to this. The earnest, heartfelt, continued, there's the key, Continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. Listen, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So when you pray as a righteous man or woman of God, it makes great power available that is dynamic in its working. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Makes dynamic power available when you pray. And that's just you praying by yourself. Imagine when you pray with others, joint prayer. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. 
that when we come together, there's an exponential power in our prayer, corporate prayer, it's called. That's what's great about having corporate praise and corporate prayer and corporate fasting. Because as we join together in unity, more power is released. Bible teaches it. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000. Where two, uh, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am right there in the midst of them. So understand there is a power in corporate prayer and in corporate fasting and in corporate praise. No question about it. And it's time to pray. I love this because Daniel, one of the things we talk about is just constant dedication, consistency. Consistency is key. Consistency is key. There's some people that only pray when they get into a crisis. Some people only pray when they get into a crisis. But then others will know that daily prayer sets the standard. Daily prayer, hallelujah, sets the standard. And you will win battle after battle after battle after battle, never-ending victory, if you'll become a person of continual, consistent prayer. And I really mean to go after it. And I'll model it for you like I was doing before. Listen, if you don't have it, let's do this. I'm going to do it right now because I feel the anointing to do it. I'm just going to open it up. I'm going to open up the Miracle Word app. And we're going to go into these prayer points. And let's just pray. Let's just pray a few. And I'll show you what I mean. I opened it up on my phone. Here they are. Miracle Word prayer points. And if you don't have them, you can get them. The reason that in the prayer points I start by talking about thanking God because God has his own order, come into his gates with thanksgiving and then into his courts with praise. And so I always start by thanking God. I start by praying in the Holy Ghost, then I thank God in English, and then I begin to make my requests known unto God. So let's do it. I want you to take, if you don't have the prayer points, I'll read them to you, but you have uh, your Bible with you, whatever it is, I'll give you the scripture. I'll give you the prayer point and I'll show you how I pray these because I'm not just going to teach on prayer. I'm going to show you how we pray, how we pray, how we believe for violent increase, how we believe for expedited favor and see prayer come to pass and prayers answered on a weekly basis and on a monthly basis and on an annual basis. Let's look into it. Number one, the Bible says, number one, uh, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. We thank the Lord that his mercies are new every morning. We thank him that he's keeping his, uh, us in perfect peace because our minds are stayed upon him. Isaiah 26. Thank God his glory is manifesting all over the earth. Thank him for pre preserving our lives from all evil everywhere we go. And thank God that he'll show himself mighty in our behalf because of his eyes will find our hearts turned toward him. That's the first five prayer points in the list. And so here's how I pray it. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name, that your word declares that your mercies are new every morning and your faithfulness is great. I thank you, Lord, that as I woke up this morning, new mercies were made available to me. I thank you, Lord, that there's nothing, there's no issue that could set up in my life or in my body. Weeping may endure for a night, your word says, but joy comes in the morning. And so, Lord, I thank you that today as I woke up, that new joy hit my spirit as I wake up. New mercies hit my spirit 
new things from heaven. Your, your, your word declares that there's fresh bread available to me every single day. Give us this day our daily bread. And so, Lord, I thank you now that today as I woke up, that there's new strength flowing through my body. I thank you that there's new joy in my heart and in my soul. I thank you, Lord, that there's new healing in every organ of my body. For the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and he quickens my mortal body in Jesus' mighty name. And I thank you, Lord, that Holy Ghost power is flowing through my joints, my bones, my muscles, my organs, my brain. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name that today I'm being renewed. Though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And so I thank you, Lord, today I'm renewed by the power of your spirit. I thank you that you're sending down fresh bread from heaven today in Jesus' name and sustaining me in every season, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing. I thank you, Lord. This is number two now. I thank you that you've, you're keeping us in perfect peace. I thank you today that you've brought us through. Today is May the 2nd, Lord. You brought us through the month of April with no depression. We thank you for no anxiety attacks. We thank you for no panic attacks. I thank you that not one suicidal thought touched my life or my family's life in the month of April in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that you've kept us in perfect peace, that there's no news that we could hear. Nothing about COVID, nothing about the flu, nothing about the shutdown, the quarantine, nothing about the economy. There's no word that could come to us in the natural that would take us out of perfect peace in the supernatural. For we have a peace that passes all understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you're keeping us today in perfect peace. I thank you, Lord, that we will sleep like babies, that we will never have our sleep stolen from us in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that your word declares in Psalm 127 and verse 2 that you give your loved ones rest. And so, Lord, we thank you now that perfect rest belongs to us because we're your children and we love you. And because we love you, peace belongs to us. When we lay our heads down on the pillow tonight, we will fall into a perfect sleep. Our dreams will be peaceful dreams and anointed dreams. We'll not be struck with terrors in the night. We'll not be struck with nightmares. We'll not wake up in a cold sweat because a spirit of fear tried to creep into the house. For we declare this house is surrounded by angelic armies and the blood of Jesus Christ is on the doorpost of our home. And so we declared in the mighty name of Jesus, perfect peace belongs to us tonight in Jesus' wonderful name. I thank you, Lord, that joy along with peace is always my story. You'll fill my mouth with laughter and my tongue with singing. I will dance, I will shout, I will sing because you are great and greatly to be praised. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I thank you, Lord, for your mighty actions, your mighty deeds. Thank you for every miracle that we saw in 2019. But I thank you, Lord, that we have even greater miracles coming to us in 2020 because the path of the just is a shining light that shines ever brighter until the perfect light of day. And so I declared in Jesus name, I thank you for your goodness in the past, but now by faith, I'm thanking for you for your goodness in the future for what you're going to do in the month of May. I declared in Jesus name that May will be our month of miracles by the power of the Holy Ghost. As we seek your face, as we read your word, as we pray, as we thanks give you thanksgiving, as we give you praise, 
praise. You'll open up the windows of heaven over our houses and pour out a blessing that we don't have room enough to contain in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, do for us what you did for Peter and his partners. Let our nets be ready to break with the catch of provision that's coming in in the month of May in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us be amazed at how much comes into our lives from the mighty hand of God and give you all the glory for everything that you're doing. Number three, I thank you, God, that your glory is manifesting. Now, one of the things I want you to see as I'm praying, I'm just using these prayer points as a guideline. I'm not just reading it off like it's a Catholic prayer book. Thank God for keeping us in perfect peace because our minds are stayed on him, Isaiah 26. I'm not reading it like it's a book. I'm using it as a starting point to to kickstart my spirit, as it were, and get my spirit praying. I want my spirit praying. I want my spirit. I want the Holy Ghost to bring scriptures to my remembrance. I want to pray things that are in line with the word of God as I'm praying. And so I'm just using these, not to be uh, legalistic about reading them and making sure, well, I went through prayer point six through 10 today. No, it's not about that. It's about getting ourselves into praying by the spirit's power and let him fill our mouth with the words. I mean, you know, you, you can see, that as I'm praying, I'm not sitting down and then trying to think for something else to say. Well, what should, what should I pray next? I just prayed for perfect peace. No, it flows. I'm letting my spirit man pray. I'm letting my spirit man pray according to the word of God. And as the word of God gives us that illumination, as it gives us revelation, this is why it's so important to read the word. Remember, it can't, it can't be in your spirit if you haven't read it. He can't bring something to your remembrance that was never in your memory in the first place. That's why we're taking you through the month of May reading the New Testament, because it's got to be in you before it can come out of you. So the more you fill yourself with the word, the more fuel that you have to pray. That's the point I'm making. The more you fill yourself with the word, the more fuel you have to pray. And you can hear me as I'm praying, I'm pulling other scriptures in that are not listed on the prayer point, and I'm praying out of my spirit what I know that the Bible says that goes right along with these things. And that's what you got to do. Use these not as a rule, but as a guideline, just to kind of sit there and say, well, I know we're going to start here uh, thanking God for preserving our lives. This is number four preserving our lives from all evil everywhere we go, according to Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8. So let's pray that. Father, we thank you for keeping us from harm and danger. I thank you, Lord, that this all this time through the year of 2020 has passed. We're through the first quarter and almost all the way through the second quarter, and we've not been killed by a car crash. We've not died in a plane crash. We've not been uh, killed by a terrorist attack. We thank you, Lord, that there's not been a mugging. We've not been stabbed or shot. We've not been taken captive or hostage or had our house broken into and been held hostage or at gunpoint. We thank you for protecting us from all evil everywhere we go in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you now, now you start praying kingdom prayers. Now, not not only thank you for keeping me from harm and danger and keeping me from evil, but now I pray in Jesus' mighty name for those around the world that evil men and evil women are trying to persecute and bring harm to those that are God's children. I pray that you'd send angels to protect them even now. Protect your people in every nation of the world. 
world, those that are living for you, that are faithful to you, I pray that you'd send them angelic assistance in the mighty name of Jesus. Keep them from death. Keep them from harm. Keep them from danger. Keep their children. I pray it in Jesus' name. Lord, as the Apostle Paul did. Now, this is going to be a prayer that you may have never heard before, and this might strike you weird or funny, but I'm going to pray just like the Apostle Paul operated in the New Testament, and uh, it's completely scriptural. Paul did it because understand something. One thing God's interested in is he's interested in souls coming into the kingdom. That's his number one goal. It's his number one priority. And there are some people who are not just unbelievers that need the gospel, but there are people who have knowingly made themselves enemies of the Most High God. This is found in Acts chapter 13, by the way, as Paul is preaching the gospel to Sergius Paulus, the governor. And as he's preaching the gospel to him, there's a sorcerer named Elemus who's lying in the governor's ear, saying, don't listen to him, he's lying to you. That gospel's not true. And Paul had had enough of it. And so in, he, he, he spoke a command from that moment to remove that obstacle out of the way and commanded that sorcerer to go blind. And immediately, God didn't say, well, you know, you're supposed to bless and not curse and love your enemies. No, immediately by the word of the apostle Paul, that sorcerer, that demonic man went blind immediately and was led around by the hand, the Bible says. Well, why did God issue that judgment through the apostle Paul? Because that man was trying to keep the gospel from someone who was interested in being saved. And so as a result, God is more interested in saving that man than in the eyesight of a demonically inspired enemy of God. And so that's what I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray in a New Testament context that every wicked group, Al-Qaeda, whether it's the Fulani herdsmen, whether it's uh, you know ISIS, I don't care who it is, any person that's made themselves an enemy of God, any group of individuals that operate with an anti-Christ agenda, Lord, send the gospel to them and save them. And if they won't be saved, and if they will not stop being an enemy of God, then I pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would confuse them, Lord, in every one of their actions, as you did even in the Old Testament. Let them rise up against each other and be destroyed by the power of God instead of destroying the children of God and their children and their grandchildren. Lord, every antichrist group, every terrorist group that has a desire to abduct children and to take Christians and to kill pastors and to kill their wives and torture their children in third world nations. I pray, Lord, that as you did for Elemus the sorcerer, strip their eyesight from them and let them walk around in obscurity in the mighty name of Jesus. Perfectly move them out of the path of God's people. Issue your judgment now on the enemies of God in Jesus' mighty name and protect your children that are doing the work of God around the world. Those that are calling in the, the, the lost souls that should be saved, that are working for you and giving their lives for you. I pray you divinely protect them tonight. Those that their lives are being threatened by anti-Christ entities and individuals. Lord, blow your breath and issue 
issue your judgment on every enemy of God. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, if they won't listen to the gospel, if they won't turn from their wicked ways, if they will not be saved and they continue making themselves your enemy, then Father, for the sake of your children, for the sake of their children, and for the sake of their grandchildren, I pray that you would strike down every wicked entity that operates under demonic power. I'm talking about witches and wizards around the world that drink the blood of the innocent for the purpose of demonic power to be operating in their lives and inside of their little organizations. Blow your breath and move them out of the way and protect your children around the world tonight. Lord, every antichrist agenda, let it be exposed and let it crumble before our very eyes in the name of Jesus. For we have dominion on this earth. You said, I give unto you all power. And so tonight we stand in all power by the power of God. And we declare every antichrist agenda is exposed and it must crumble and break down before our very eyes. Lord, throw a wrench in everybody's works that tries to bring about a one-world organization, a one-world government, in Jesus' name, a one-world religion. And as long as your children are here on the earth, we exercise dominion and authority in Jesus' mighty name, and we declare that 2020 will be the best year of the church's life in the history of the church. More will be saved than ever before. More will be filled with the Holy Ghost than ever before. More will be healed and you'll get all the glory and you'll get all the praise and you'll get all the honor and people will know that you are the one true living God who made a way for their ch for his children, made a way for their children and their grandchildren. We thank you Lord in Jesus name that this will be a year that we will see your glory manifested. We'll see the the power of your spirit in Jesus' mighty name. We call it done by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' wonderful name. Now let's pray the final one. Just going to go through five prayer points tonight. We've already been praying for close to 20 minutes. Uh, number five, now let's thank God that he will show himself mighty on our behalf because his eyes will find our hearts turned toward him. I'm using the scripture, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts are turned toward him, on whose behalf he will show himself strong and mighty. So let's pray. Father, we ask you now, as we've been confessing and declaring that 2020 is our year of violent increase and expedited favor, I pray in Jesus' name that you would find our hearts turned toward you, in 2020, we're seeking your face. We're reading your word. We're praying. We're praising. We're thanking. We're doing the work of the ministry. As we press in and as we seek you diligently, we thank you that your word says you're a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. And we are seeking you diligently in the month of May. Let our uh, hearts be seen by your eyes. And as you see us, Lord, I thank you that you're coming to show yourself strong and mighty on our behalf in the mighty name of Jesus. And this will be a month that blows our natural minds as people see the mighty hand of God touching his people. We thank you for increase on every side. Sickness has to go. Disease has to go. Depression has to go. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Lord, that we're asking you from this night, no more panic attacks, no more suicidal thoughts. From this night forward, 
We stand in freedom in Jesus' name, freedom in the Holy Ghost, and we thank you that your word is always true. It's the highest force in the universe, for your word says of itself that you've magnified your word above your name. And so, Father, tonight we declare all things are turning in our favor, because Romans 8, 28 says all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so from this night forward, we declare everything is working for our good, Everything is turning in our favor tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And May will be our month of miracles in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you believe the prayers we just prayed, throw some fire emojis in the comments section and call it done wherever you are. Now, that was a good 20 minutes of prayer. And we only went through five prayer points. 20 minutes of prayer. And we only went through five prayer points. And I'm not doing that in disobedience to what the word says, go behind closed doors and pray and trying to pray in front of you so you think I'm more holy. No, as your teacher, I'm showing you what it looks like to pray with fervor, to pray with a fire, to pray with a hunger. And I want you to do the same. I want you to get a fire for prayer in your spirit. And pray like that and ask God, ask God, imagine you're telling me, I feel, listen, I feel the Holy Ghost right off of the 20 minutes of, of example prayer that we just did. I feel it in my spirit. I'm stirred up in my, in my spirit. I could run around the block six times and have the energy to do it. I feel the Holy Ghost just off that 20 minutes of prayer. Imagine if you did it for an hour every day, an hour. So what what point am I trying to make to you? You can't tell me, you can't tell me depression can stay after that. You can't tell me anxiety attacks can stay after that. Don't tell me suicidal thoughts stay after that. You stay in the presence of God and in his presence is fullness of joy. And if it's trying to press in on you, pray in the spirit, pray in tongues. Pray in tongues till it, your spirit man so stirred up, 1 Corinthians 14, 4, that it, you've, you've been so lifted up in your spirit that that stuff's got to leave you. It's a repellent. Praying in the Holy Ghost and praying in your known language is a depression repellent. You hearing what I'm saying? You mix, listen, you mix these together. If you want an explosive combination, you mix together thanksgiving, praise, prayer like we just did, and prayer in tongues, that is a repellent for every demonic force that would try to destroy you. How do you pray in the Spirit? You pray in tongues. You get baptized in the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues. And so I want you to hear what I'm saying. Praise, thanksgiving, prayer in your known language, and prayer in tongues Four things, that is a demon repellent. Depression has to run away from you. How do I know? Because by doing those four things, you put yourself into the presence of God. No, read, read Ephesians, Jacob. Go read Ephesians, those that the Jesus sent into the church. Five-fold ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, fivefold. 
So I want you to hear this. When you engage those four things, it causes the enemy to run from you, run from you, resist the devil, and he will do what? Flee from you, flee. The word flee, to run away as if in terror. (laughs) How did Jesus resist the devil? That's the question. How did Jesus resist the devil? By quoting the word at his face. Every time the devil tried to bring up some sort of temptation, Jesus said what? It is written. And the easiest and most effective way to resist the devil is to quote the mighty word of God and spit it into his face. And he's got to run from you. Hallelujah. Look at this. I like this. This is the uh, actual definition. Listen to this. Flee. To run away from a place or situation of danger. And that's what it is. The devil is in danger when he's around you. The devil is in danger. Yeah, and Brittany brings up a good good point. She said when, when she was depressed, when she was suicidal, she felt like she couldn't pray. But see, this is where you do what Paul said. I'm going to help you with this because you don't have to wait until you're delivered to pray. In fact, you should not. You should not wait until you're delivered to pray. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27 that he had to put his body under or subdue his flesh on a daily basis. Let me be honest with you. Everyone watching me knows we don't always feel like praying you almost never feel like praying. I'm a preacher, and I and I, there's a lot of times I don't feel like praying. But we don't do things because we feel like doing them. We do them because we should do them. We take authority over our flesh. We take authority, you know, there's all kinds of things I don't feel like doing, but I, I do it because I know I should do it. So this is where, and by the way, this is where you can start because of discipline, but end because you have a flow of the Holy Ghost or a moving of the Spirit in your life. You start 1 Corinthians 9, 27. And so catch this. You can make yourself, you go beyond how you feel. That's what faith is. Faith doesn't go by what it sees or feels. It goes by what the Word of God says. We've been commanded to pray, so we pray. We're commanded to pray, so we pray. And so I want to caution you to not ever make your diligence or your dedication to the kingdom about how you feel that day. No, don't do that. Go by what the word of God says to do, not what you feel like doing. See, because the devil's a liar. He'll try to put thoughts in your mind. Well, you're unworthy to pray. You're unworthy to pray. Look at you. Look at all you've done. Look at all you've, see? Yeah, you have to make yourself. And the Bible says that the flesh is at war with the spirit, Galatians 5, 17. There'll always be a war between your flesh and your spirit. And you've got to take authority over your flesh and over your mind. That's why I did that, uh, talking about why it's so important what you pour into your heart and into your mind this week. So important. What you pour into your heart and into your mind, out of it flow the issues of life. If you've never prayed in the spirit before, you need to have somebody who is filled with the Holy Ghost lay hands on you 
just like they did in the book of Acts, and pray that God would baptize you in the Holy Spirit like on the day of Pentecost, get filled with the Holy Ghost, and then the initial sign or evidence of that baptism is praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. So I encourage you, if you're not in a church where they believe in that, get to a church where they do and find a pastor that is filled with the Holy Ghost that believes in the baptism that will lay hands on you and do it. And every believer should be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I taught that this week. Very important that you do. And so I hope you receive that prayer. If you receive that prayer, I know you put fire emojis in the comment section, but I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging you. It's time for us to pray. It is time for us to pray. In fact, I want you to do that. I know we're doing the Bible reading challenge. Just review a quick review of Matthew 6. Three things Jesus teaches. You know what they are? When you fast, not if, when you fast, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, and when you give. Three things. Jacob, how old of a person are you? I want to ask Jacob Clausen. How old are you? Tell me how old you are. When you fast, when you pray, when you give. Not if, all those are whens. When you fast, when you pray, just turn 17. Well, you're old enough, Jacob, to let your parents understand that you have a desire to go to a church. By the way, it's unscriptural to stay home. I'm not telling you to be belligerent to your parents, but their belief system is wrong. It is not scriptural to stay home. Read Hebrews 10.25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the custom of some. But as you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more, not less, more. Going to church in an assembly is commanded in scripture. It's not a suggestion. It's commanded. Anybody that rejects doing it is disobeying the word of God. We're not supposed to stay home. We're supposed to assemble with the believers. Absolutely, it's what, that, it's what we're supposed to do. And you need to sit down and tell them about your convictions. I feel the conviction of the Lord that I'm supposed to be going to church. Home is not church. Church is church. So, well, they had home, they had church, they stayed home and had church in the New Testament. No, they didn't stay home. They met in a home as a building to gather together. <laughs> no, you need a pastor. See, the, that thought process, Jacob, is rejecting the thought that you don't need a pastor, which you do. The Bible teaches that they're set in the church for the perfecting of the saints. Your parents are not perfecting the saints. You need to go to a church that is, you know, be under a pastor, gather with other believers. Bible teaches that you should. You're not supposed to stay home. You're supposed to go and gather with other believers. Paul wrote to all those churches, when I come to see you and the assembly and the brothers, and they read his letter, his letters in the assemblies, in the churches. Don't neglect the meeting together. You're 17 years old. And when you're 18, you're legally old enough to make your own choices and you need to do what, what is right. Where do you live, Jacob? Let me ask you that. What state, what city? And if I can help you, what state and what city are you in? Because we'll help you and find a Pentecostal church or charismatic church that's close by where you are. There's got to be one. And stay, stay watching these broadcasts, Jacob. We'll, 
Portview, Pennsylvania. I'll look it up and help you find a church that's close by where you are that believes in the Holy Ghost. I'll help you with that. And we'll get you, we'll get you, uh, we'll get you hooked up. It's important. Don't make it like, it's not a small thing. It's God's directive in the New Testament. Jesus is the one who built the church. Don't listen to that. Well, church is not a building. Well, we understand that the bricks and mortar are not the church, that the people are the church, but we're still called to assemble somewhere and there's got to be somewhere to assemble. (laughs) And so we're going, we're going to help you, Jacob. I'm going to help you. Port View, text me that, Jacob, by the way, Port View, Pennsylvania. And so it's when you fast, when you pray, and when you give. It's so vital. It's not if with any of these things. We should take time to fast, and maybe we'll take some time together to fast in the near future. We'll do a corporate fast all together. Love you, Brother Ben. Love Amy. And we need to pray. I'm encouraging you, along with this Bible reading, to take time to pray. We need to be praying together. And I, as I always do, I'm encouraging you. Look at that. Look at that. Brandon said, you're only like 30 to 35 minutes from Champion Christian Center. Jacob, that's pastored by my friend, Pastor Nathan Miller. It's a phenomenal church. It's a phenomenal church. And it's worth more than a 35 minute drive. I would drive an hour to go to that church. I would drive an hour to go to that church. And it's worth, it's totally worth. Jacob, do you drive or have your own car? Because it would be very, very uh, helpful to you to go to Champion Christian Center. We love them. They might even be able to send some somewhere. Look at that. Brandon, his church is 45 minutes from where he lives. Listen, knowing Pastor Miller, he may send somebody to pick you up. (laughs) They've got great people at that church. But we'll find something. If we can find something even closer, we will. We'll help you. We'll help you. But I want to encourage you to sow. Those of you that are watching tonight, sow a seed. It's not when you, it's not if you give, it's when you give. Love you, Alyssa. Thank you. I'm believing, Brandon. We can get somebody to help Jacob. And uh, I'm believing for the greatest. See, I know God's touching Jacob and he's going to use him in a great and mighty way. There's a hunger that's in his spirit. And and I'm telling you, that's not there. You're not disrupting me at all. Thank you, Brother Ben. You're not disrupting the the preaching at all. We're here to help you. And we want to see you succeed. We want to see you flourish in the kingdom of God. And you will. God will use you in a mighty way. He will use you in a mighty way. And so... Not if you fast, when you fast. Not if you pray, when you pray. Not if you give, when you give. And he teaches that when these things take place, the blessing begins to flow. It's not when you, if you feel like doing it, you take your discipline. Remember this, you don't have to go from a place of, well, when a crisis hits, I'll start fasting and praying and giving. That's the wrong way to look at life. Hear what I say to you. If you'll stay consistent with the principles of God, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added. Stay consistent, continuing to be faithful in the covenant details of the kingdom, and God will continually and steadily bless you throughout your life. That's what we encourage you to always be praying, always be studying, always be witnessing, always be praising, and always be giving.
Because as you do, God, you're, what you're doing is continually sowing seed from your life. Prayer is a seed. Fasting's a seed. Studies a seed. Uh, praise is a seed. Witnessing's a seed. Sowing is a seed. It's all part of the covenant details. And God said, if I see that you're seeking my kingdom first and my righteousness, I'll add all these things to you. I will add them to you. You won't have to go out and try to find them. I'll add them into your life. And so that's why I'm encouraging. There's people that are watching right now. There's people that are watching this replay right now. And they feel the Holy Ghost speaking to them to sow large seeds. Sow it. Do what the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do. And as you do, you'll be blessed, greatly blessed, greatly blessed. And so take a minute to do it right where you're watching. You can use hashtag donate if you're on Facebook or if you're on Twitter. Cash app is available. Venmo's available. PayPal's available. And the easiest way, miracleword.com. And you can click on the give page or the partner page and stand with Carolyn and with me. Brother Ben said, I'm a witness to that. Absolutely. You're blessed. Your family's blessed. And we love and appreciate you. Lynn Ann, we love you. Luenda, we love you. Judy, we love you. Letty, we love you. I love you guys. I pray you have the best, best sleep and rest tonight that you've ever had. Peaceful rest. Tomorrow, get a word from your church, your pastor. And then we'll be back together on Monday morning. And then Monday night, we're starting again a new series. Thank you, Caitlin. We're starting a new series Monday night at 9 o'clock. So I'll be back with you Monday morning. And don't forget, I have a special guest coming in. It'll be on the broadcast next week as well. Um, but we'll be back again at 10.30 a.m. on Monday morning. And then, of course, um, Monday night through the, through the next Saturday night, like we did this week, at 9 p.m. And thanks to everybody that's sowing seed. You know, of course, know we're gonna we're gonna bless you. If you didn't get a chance yet to uh, check out the new book, uh, further faster, it's available right now on Amazon in your current territory, and also on shop.miracleword.com, and uh, and you can get it. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.